And I'm Allie. And it's about time for true crime. Hey. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm doing okay. I'm a little less mad at you now. Thank you. Yes. Progress. A little. If you guys missed it at the end, she was very much not happy with me last episode because I made her wait a week. Yeah, you did. And um, rude. I know. So, but that being said, how was your week? <laughs> oh, just fantastic. You know how it is. I do. Well, you know what? We are in a new year. Um, so I just wanted to say new year, new me. Mm. Uh, I already failed all my resolutions, but that's No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, to update... Yes. Last year. Yes. Last January, I said my resolution was to read 10 books. Okay. Right? Yes. Probably like two of you might remember that. I'm one of them. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Correct. correct. Um, I reached it. Hey. I did it. I really friggin' did it. That's amazing. And I, that sounds like, bitch, you should read. I don't count researching. No. Books, because I do read a lot. I only counted like the strictly for pleasure, strictly only for like self-care, fun time, like things that would just get my mind going that were like not important in a way. Um, So everything was fiction. And so I just kind of had fun with it. But yes, I did. And I finished my last book on New Year's Eve. Yes, queen. I love that. Yes. Good for you. So it was a lot of fun. So I actually did it. And my goal is another 10 books again this year. But I'm hoping to like exceed it. But I'm going to be realistic. I'm going to do it with you this year. I'll do 10 books with you this year. Normally, I don't automatically go in for that. I think I did maybe three complete this year and I have like three that are almost done I get you can read more than one book at one time yes and no so like I only read one at a time but sometimes I have a few going so like right now I um okay this is embarrassing I'm like a chapter maybe two away from being done with I kissed Shara Wheeler or maybe kissing Shara Wheeler or something it's by Casey McQuiston it's so cute Mm -hmm. but I just don't want it to end. I just don't want it to end. So I won't read the last two chapters. I'm like that with TV shows. I'm like, I won't, you know, can I say something embarrassing? Yes, absolutely. I have never watched the last episode of The Office. The kids are fighting, you guys. Hold on. Anyway. The kitty cat kids are fighting. So. Yes. So if you hear hissing in the background, um, it's Bye. Abby. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm still pissed. Yes. Um. <laughs> I've never seen the finale of The Office because I never wanted it to end because especially in college when, what was it? I think it was still on Netflix or a different streaming. Yeah. Whatever it is, whatever it was taken off of, I would binge it. Yep. And so when I was getting ready in the morning, I would just have it playing on my phone. Right. Um... So it was like my comfort show. And I was like, if I end my comfort show, it's not like I know I can't know that. I can't do right. it. So I've seen like probably every scene of it separately, but I have not sat and watched the last episode because I there's never good enough time for me to cry that hard. Yeah. Where it's convenient for me to do so. <laughs> so I just don't. I got to schedule this crying. Hold kind on. of. No, I'm so type it. A. I'm like, uh, uh-uh, uh, not today. I no way. Did the same thing with Shit's Creek. I've still never seen the last episode of Shit's Creek. Oh, and wait, I don't think I have either. New Girl, I have seen like a stupid amount of times, like genuinely a stupid amount. Each episode, even my roommate, she's like, Abby, pl- like, God, just diversify. Like, you don't need to see this episode of New Girl for the 80th time. And I'm like, excuse you. Yes, I do. 
I've seen the last episode once and I sobbed so hard. I was like, never again. I will never again do that. You don't need that kind of pain in your life. No. I so come, few things we get to choose. I come for silly, goofy things and cats. Okay. I, Ooh. Saw, I saw this post the other day. Yeah. And it was like, um, I went to the Silly Goose convention and they all said they know you. <laughs> uh, ooh. <laughs> I, don't know I am the silliest so goose. But on the topic of New Girl. Yeah. Very interesting. So my brother recommended this podcast to me while I was home for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Sean. Did you know that Jake Johnson, the guy who plays Nick Miller, has his own podcast? I did not know that. It's called We're Here to Help. It's so fucking funny. People call in with random ass questions that they need advice on, and then they just give advice. Okay. So, like, one of my personal favorite episodes that I've listened to so far is called PR Crisis. Mm. Like, public relations crisis, PR yes. crisis. Uh, it's this family, and one of the sisters moves to a different state, doesn't tell anyone until she's there, and sends out a press release to her family that says, friends and family, I've moved. You can ask no questions. Here are some FAQs and the only answers I'm willing to give. <laughs> oh my. What a and like, what a way to present information. I'm taking zero questions at Exactly. The moment. Hysterical. And I won't in the future either. Absolutely hysterical. But like her sister called and was like, Well, actually, I was going to see a friend that lives in that state. Do can I ask if I can visit or is that too many questions? <laughs> And so the whole episode is just Jake Johnson and his friend trying to help. Oh, no. So highly recommend if you can. It's hysterical. But I just it's a new year. And I'm in the mood for no growth. I'll be real. Oh, I don't I don't want to grow. I want to have a moss girl summer. I want to lie until I rot. I want to become a little plant. And I just want to, like, enjoy time outside doing nothing. And why can't enjoying time outside and and following more of what you want to be growth anyway? Exactly. How is that not growing? You don't have to be constantly, like, you don't have to fucking solve complex math problems on a chalkboard to be like, I am learning. The limit does not exist. You know? My limit does exist. And uh, that is my resolution this year, is to just exist. So... There you go. Anyone can join me, but now I'm that adding 10 books. 10 books, <laughs> yes. Are we be- reading the same books? Ooh, that'd be cute. You guys, I, if I can recommend in the absolute highest regard and respect, and I know that I'm like giggling a little because I never thought I'd seriously say this, but I'm serious. Matthew McConaughey's book, Green Lights, is one of my favorite reads from 2023. Is it an autobiography? Yes. Okay, this man's, first of all, wild. I listened to the audiobook of it, but there is a print copy. In the middle of his stories, like these are like memoirs. He's talking about his life. He has a bumper stickers randomly throughout the book. And I've heard that in the print copy, he actually puts pictures of the bumper stickers in there. And Stop the it right now. audiobook, he'll be talking and just go, bumper sticker. And like explain shit. It's him narrating yes. it too. Oh my gosh. Does he go, all right, all right, yeah. all right. All right, all right, all right. And then every time, so the title of the book is called Green Lights. And every time something good happens, she just goes, Green Lights. And it's so funny. No. In the book, apparently, they're colored green. <laughs> Damn it, Matthew. And I hate to say it. It's a good fucking book. I hate to say it. You can love to say it. We support I, him. 
the thing is, I hate to say it because I never thought You'd that like my a love celebrity. for Matthew McConaughey yeah. would go so deep. This man and I. Okay, this isn't a family podcast anyway, but um, this man went on two separate transcontinental trips because of a wet dream. What? Yeah. Yeah. No, you heard that right. Okay. It was the same wet dream, too. Is that what it's like to be rich? I guess so. It is so hard watching other people live your dream. It is. <laughs> I woke up real horny and, well, now I got to go to the Amazon. <laughs> like... <laughs> What a world. But anyway, I would definitely suggest that for one of your 10 if you're looking for suggestions. We'll see. I'll, <laughs> I'll jot it down. I'll jot it down. We'll see. Otherwise, though, um, yeah, I'm open. I'm in the middle of reading uh, Braiding Sweetgrass right now. but And also two others. Yes. Okay. Uh, kissing Shara Wheeler by Casey McQuiston. Mm-hmm. Hey, girl. Um, and also, I am in the middle of a book called Sure, I'll Join Your Cult by Maria Bamford. <laughs> oh, Maria Bamford. Okay. She's so funny. That sounds like if... Yeah. All right. Uh, we should put out like a recommended book list because I feel like we have good taste and it's diverse. Yes. We're very different. We read very different books. Yes, we do. I like the Gone Girl like murder mystery, but not a not like a, always an Agatha Christie like murder mystery. I do like those. I read those. Um, I just, my last book of 2023 was called A Shattered Circle Ooh. by Kevin Egan, who was like an attorney his entire career, who then wrote a fiction Ooh. book that was like pretty much based on like in the courtroom courthouse kind of thing with a like, courthouse hot. staff, but it okay. was like a murder and who who done it. And I love a good who done it. It had like, like two different plots one. running at the same time. And then they kind of like meet and you're like, huh. Oh, was, I like that. It wasn't okay. bad. That's cool. It was good. Yeah. So that was mine. But um, let's get into it. Yeah. Can we fucking please get into it? Yeah. I've really been doing a good job of holding my cool, you guys. I have been. But I'm she still pissed and I need slightly to hear. mean to me, but um, only slightly. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Skippers. Skippers, stop, stop skipping. skipping. Hey. Hi, hello, and welcome back to your Hi. favorite true crime podcast. We're oh. blushing cuties thanks thank you for joining us for part two of these two pieces of shit yeah piece Uh, of shit and piece of shit it (laughs) if you haven't listened to part one please pause this and do that no way don't worry we'll be here hey (laughs) we're back last episode we covered the early lives of alvin and judith neely their pedophilic budding romance early crimes escalation of crimes and then we left you with the kidnapping of 13 year old lisa milligan excuse me kidnapping and rape and also uh, assault of correct yes yep as you might remember lisa had already been exposed to pain and suffering and abuse and trauma long before she met them and unfortunately meeting them would lead to her death (sighs) so we're going to pick it up there after a few days of keeping Lisa confined to their motel room and beating and raping her, it was Disgusting. time for her to go. Uh, Judy got in her car and told her that they were going for a drive, so she was to go with her. Okay. And they ended up parking near picnic benches at the Little River Canyon in Alabama. Judy told Lisa that she wasn't going to kill her. 
but she was going to give her something that would make her sleep so that she could get away and she wouldn't you know what i mean so that judith could be like we're gonna take off when you wake up you can do whatever like yeah you can do whatever it is that you want which i think was a welcomed break to lisa who fucking who didn't fight it because she had spent three days pretty much chained to a bed in their motel room at their mercy and when she finally got to go outside and see daylight again she's like and you're not going to kill me and judith said no but we are going to get away and so i think she was like i'll do whatever you tell me to do yeah get the fuck away from me i'll sleep for a while but judith neely had no intention of letting lisa milliken live see when alvin had been in jail before he'd made friends and those friends mm-hmm. shared their criminal war stories, if you will, and more importantly, their best practices. Mm. Alvin heard that if you injected someone with Drano, it would kill them quickly and would kill them in a way that police could not determine that they were murdered. They wouldn't be able to tell how. Okay. Um, survey says... That was a lie. <laughs> Nope, that's not how any of that works. But Alvin is an Einstein, so he took this myth as fact and suggested that they kill Lisa this way. Oh. Armed with diabetic syringes, Drano, and for good measure, some liquid plumber, oh. Judith began injecting Lisa. Oh. So she injected Drano in Lisa's neck, and though it stung like a bitch and caused excruciating pain, it didn't kill her. So oh. she did it again. Is she already asleep? Oh, no. she's wa- She never gave her anything to sleep. Fucking A. Okay. She thought this was going to make her sleep. You can't even give the girl a fucking melatonin. Okay, fine. Whatever. Fine. So she is obviously exhausted and scared. And some reports say that she was ch- like chained to a tree at this point to keep her still. But others say that it's like on the ground. I, it's probably somewhere in between. And it's probably a mixture of both that she was moved and like told to do whatever and i think she just listened and if she had just taken off running if she had the strength to do it i don't even know that she could get far because it's like this big canyon like it wasn't like there were other people around obviously this wouldn't be happening if there were other people there yeah so i don't know that she would have had a way out even if she took off but maybe it wouldn't have had to end like this because being injected with drano didn't kill her and it wasn't going to. It just caused unimaginable pain. Well, yeah. To a girl who was already in so much pain. Every imaginable kind of pain. And after a half hour of her writhing in pain, she still didn't die. Oh, baby girl. So, Judith had injected her in her neck on both sides, both of her arms, in both of her butt cheeks to like try to get this in her and it just oh didn't my god do anything take the fucking hint she's not dead it's not going to kill her the skin surrounding and like in the injection sites was eaten away because drano is corrosive mm-hmm. and it will eat through skin and it does cause burns which is exactly what happened so all of this tissue where she's being injected is like burning away so it is not this does not feel like a little sting or like a bee sting or anything like that this is extremely painful but it isn't killing her there wasn't enough of it to kill her and so 
after several vials of this, um, these this wasn't fatal. So Judy had to think outside the box. So Judy had her stand facing the canyon. Because remember, they're at a canyon here. So there is a drop below her. And she had her facing the canyon. Judy was behind her. Yeah. And she shot her in the back. This shot was fatal. However, it didn't go how Judy planned because she thought that shooting her would cause her to fall forward. Yeah. And that she would fall into the canyon sort of like taking care of herself. But that's not what happened. She fell backwards onto Judy. Which meant that Judy had to almost push her and roll her into the canyon. And while doing that, she kind of used her knee to nudge Lisa's body. And she got blood on the knee of her pants. Okay. So then Judith was like, shit, I can't leave these jeans here. Or I can't leave with wearing these jeans. So she went into her car. Apparently she had other jeans, probably (laughs) because she had her life packed in that car. Oh, yeah. Because they were on the run. And changed jeans and just threw the one she was wearing down. So this canyon was used by many to discard their trash. Cute. A lot of crime was committed here because it was desolate. Yep. And not a place anybody really wanted to hang out. So it was kind of a place you could count on being available for you, I guess. So they discarded a 13-year-old's body like the trash they viewed her as. Mm. I know. I want to say so many things I'm not allowed to say on here. I know. I know. So Judy just kind of looked over and made sure that the body fell. It did. It reached the canyon floor. Again, those pants were thrown over. The jeans that Judy was wearing got caught on a tree branch on the way down, so they didn't make it to the floor. And That's with that, funny. she got back in the car. Uh, oh and she threw all the used syringes down too she didn't keep anything i mean she still had the gun on her but she didn't keep the syringes or any like she used up everything that she had and she was like fuck it she didn't die so she just shot her instead and then dumped it all in the canyon too so the harpst home that lisa was living in did sound alarm bells okay the day that lisa didn't return but it wasn't uncommon for these girls to run away well of course Many of them were in a lot of pain emotionally and mentally. They missed some of their family. Some of them may have believed they had good relationships with their families. Yeah. Some of them might actually have had decent relationships with some family members. Maybe they missed their siblings. Right. Or or a cousin or something. And maybe aunt it was or uncle. One, one parent or one caregiver that treated them so awfully but there really wasn't anywhere else to relocate them well and frankly like let's not forget that even when your abuser is your parent that's still your parent and when you're a kid that's what you know and for many of the girls if they ran away usually they'd come back in a few days but it wasn't uncommon to have a runaway and where it was kind of well known that lisa didn't have friends and she didn't really like being there that it wasn't like she really enjoyed it and that this was out of the ordinary for them to think she would have done right or like unfathomable or right. anything they were like okay so she didn't she wasn't at the meeting place still a little concerned but run people run away all the time girls run away and come home all the time like they come back here so we're just sort of going to bide our time and wait they really thought she was coming back oh 
But Lisa didn't come back. No. On September 29th, the Rome, Georgia Police Department got a call. And the caller said, y'all looking for Lisa Milliken? I can tell you where she is. The caller sounded like a young woman and instructed them to go to Little River Canyon in Alabama. Okay. And look off the side of the canyon where the picnic tables and parking area is. And she said, look in the canyon. And then the caller hung up. I'm sure you can imagine who this was, but in case you can't, it was Judy Neely. And it was only at this point that the police really knew that Lisa was even missing because some, like some agencies knew, but not all of them. The um, Rome, Georgia PD responded to the mall, I believe, because the mall was located there. Right. But the Cedartown one where the Harps home was, was probably taking it over at this point because this is where she lived. So it's all kind of mixed up. And again, for her to be a runaway was not off anyone's radar so to say that people were like combing the streets for her no well and also and where do you time it was very standard to be like oh well they just ran away yeah every missing person under the age of 30 was a runaway right (laughs) you know that's an exaggeration right but a lot of them were and especially for a kid where they had a very tough upbringing yeah having rules and this weird structure that they'd never had before because anything they'd ever had before was negative was really rough and again for them to run away truly it was not uncommon for there to be a legitimate runaway not not what you know it was written off as a lot of times and so i don't think anyone was handing out flyers for lisa i think that she left willingly. They probably maybe they thought she had made an arrangement for someone to come pick her up. Like she maybe they thought that was a cousin. Maybe they thought that was whatever. You know, it just because this girl that she left with wasn't known to them, they didn't know that she wasn't known to Lisa. Right. Well, and also, you know, all of that combined, and it sounds like Lisa was still pretty fresh there. Like she's here. She's not. I'm I'm not saying it's right, but I'm also saying I totally understand how you get there. I can see how you can put space between something awful happened and she ran away and she left with a girl that looked like she knew. Yeah. Who wasn't that far off in age for it to be suspicious. Right. Right? But now the Harps home confirmed that she wasn't there and Lisa hadn't turned up anywhere else and now they've got this mystery caller saying if you're looking for this girl look in this canyon they were like okay yeah that's not ominous at all um and then another call was placed this time not to a police department but to a radio station and this caller was a young woman Uh uh-huh i'm sure you can imagine who it was and this young woman told them that a young girl was dead um, her body was in Little River Canyon and the Rome police were covering it up because a YDC employee had killed the girl and they were all in cahoots. They were all in on it. All right. So, of course, this was called in and Rome police then called the police in Alabama where the canyon was to say, listen, we want you aware of this. We got this call and then a local radio station got a call, sa- you know, saying this with Something's all up. with all of this coming in, can you send a couple of guys down there to go look? Right. And they did. And they had a hard time even really finding where she was. Well, yeah, because canyons aren't 
They're not like a little ditch on the side of the road where you can see everything that's happened for the last 18 years. Well, correct. And the other thing was, is like after some time passed, they couldn't find her. Yeah. Because it's huge and covered in garbage. And it wasn't like these directions were like pristine. So then they get another call as if like they knew. And it's the woman saying, you take the left here, turn the right. Oh my God. Like it's like fucking like literally directions. Quest. Like seriously. But like it's that like it was Holy like fuck. Judy knew like they had like she hadn't seen it on the news yet. So she's like, no, it's this way. Like, I no, this is Patrick. Like, it was just like, no, go here and here. And so she's like giving directions and following those directions. Sure as shit, they find a fucking body of a child. Fucking A. And so they made notification to the parents. And it said in some reports, and I feel awful even saying this, but when her family was told of her murder, some of them say that they didn't even shed a tear. Now, that might have been whoever the abusive caregivers were, because we'll talk later that she did have family that loved her and cared about her. Yeah. That were in no position to do anything at the time. They were probably younger than her at the time, like her siblings. But that is not to say that she didn't have anybody. But probably whoever it was that was abusing her in the first place. I just want to give her a really big hug and like, a piece of really yummy chocolate, you know? Oh, I know. And something cozy. And, and the, ice water. Ice water helps everything. I Isn't it? It's just, it's awful. It's just, her, she had 13 years on this planet. 13. One, three. And they were filled with, like, any trauma anyone could ever want, and then some. Yeah, and then triple it. And then add a zero. All because, what, Jared from Subway and, like... I want to be really mean to her, but I don't even want... What the fuck? Because Alvin and Judith Neely were monsters. They're pigs. At very best. <clears throat> so Pedophilic pigs at very best. Okay. In the following days, more happened. Yeah, because I it always you might does. say that. Um, two others, a 22-year-old and a 13-year-old, were approached by a woman who was driving a brown Dodge on different occasions, offering to give them a ride and trying to strike up conversation. They both reported that the woman was very thin because by this time, Judith Neely had lost a lot of weight. Okay. They said that she had dark hair and buck teeth and appeared unkempt. She kind of just gave them a a bad feeling the 13 year old went home and told her mom about it and so the mom brought her to the police department to report it and the 22 year old did report it good i believe with the 22 year old the woman was approached and she said oh are you like so like she made up a name like oh are you michelle or oh are you whatever and the woman was like no i think her car might have broken down got it and this woman was like well do you need a ride or something and she said no and well, I'm just going to call her Judy because it is. Judith said, are you sure? You know, I'm new. I'm new around here. I'm kind of lonely. Like, do you want to go for a drive? We can go anywhere. And the woman was like, nope, my husband's on the way. Thank you. And she just got such an uncomfortable feeling because yeah. this woman was so eager for her to go with her. Yeah. That she's like, I just have to report this. It just didn't sit right. And that's why we talk about The Gift of Fear. Yeah. Which is an excellent book and you should add it to your list if you're also reading books this year because it's amazing. Um, cause we, 
it talks a lot about that, how lucky we are to have that bad feeling, that gut feeling. And this woman followed that. The 13-year-old was walking and this woman tried to give her a ride and she said no. And she was persistent trying to get this 13-year-old in her car. And so thankfully, this girl knew well enough to say no, went home and said, hey, this weird woman driving this kind of car tried to get me in her car. And the mom's alarm bells went off and brought her to the police department. Good. And so now there's two separate stories, you know, two separate occasions where a woman fitting a very similar description, tall, dark hair, teeth that jutted out, did not look well. feature, yeah. Yeah, did not look healthy, you know, looked kind of dirty and kind of thrown together, appeared kind of homeless. Um seemed very eager to have them and it was just weird enough that it was like we just want this recorded yeah thank god they did and by the time these two approached within this time um because they didn't walk in together right it wasn't like they were together at this time but over the coming days these things happened um but while one of them was making a report somebody else was too um sitting in an interview room was a man named john hancock who really john hancock (laughs) legit did they get his john hancock they certainly did Sorry, but this man wanted to make a report about an experience he had and this also included a woman fitting this description john what could have happened So on October 4th, 26-year-old John Hancock and his 23-year-old girlfriend, Janice Chapman, were out for a walk. Beautiful. Janice had been married before. She had two children. And in her divorce, primary custody of her children was with her ex-husband. Okay. She was very innocent. She was very trusting and very naive. Some reports say that she was diagnosed with an intellectual disability. Okay. These things combined made her a perfect target for predators. Yep. And... If you want to hear more about this, because if you didn't know, it's more, it's very likely that you and you yourself will have a disability at some point in your life. Fun fact. Yep. We have an episode called the victimization of people with disabilities. Shameless plug, but it's very good if I may say so. And it's important. Not only does it pertain to you, but we see it fucking time and time again in stories like this. And sometimes just a little bit of knowledge is a little bit more power. And that's all it takes. And so apparently she had been sexually assaulted in her past. And when John met her, he didn't feel that her family watched out for her, protected her or advocate for her in the way that he felt they should. And so he immediately felt called to try to help. Okay. And then they began dating and then that was going really well and they moved in together. And then once they were moving in together, it was like getting really serious and now they were inseparable and they loved each other and things were going really well. Okay. And he kind of like vowed to protect her because he could just see that she just led with kindness and and everything. And she was so sweet, but some of those red flags might have gone over her head. And so he was kind of keeping an eye out for her that she wasn't being taken advantage of because he knew in the past that she had been in a very dangerous and traumatic way. Well, and not only do you get protective of people you love, but you get extra so when you have strengths in areas they don't. Yeah, and you have to utilize those. Right. So while John and Janice were walking, a brown Dodge pulled up. Okay. The driver was a young woman. 
and said that she was new to the area and she didn't really know where she was or have any friends. And I'm new in town. Isn't that, that's the exact same thing I thought of. Crazy. John Mulaney. I'm bi. I'm a pedophile and I'm new in town. Did John Mulaney come out with that new, is that a new version of it? Very (laughs) sweet. John. I didn't know he was inspired by these two asshats. John. Anyway. Damn it, John. Sorry. Different John. So this John. uh, (laughs) John Hancock. John Hancock, John, said, no, we're fine. Thanks. Because he was immediately like, who in the hell? What in the hell? And the woman said, take you anywhere that you need to go. And Janice kind of perked up because she didn't have many friends. And she wanted to go. She wanted to make friends. She wanted to meet people. And so she kind of looked at John like, come on, like, say yes. And John was like, no. No. (laughs) like we're fine and it got to a point where this woman was like come on man like i don't know anyone your girl wants to go like would you and so he went against his better judgment and they got in the car oh john got in the front seat so he's next to um you guessed it judy neely janice is in the back and as they drove the driver is using a cb radio that's installed in her car like mother like daughter and now she's communicating with a man. She's talking over the radio oh, with the man. Yeah. And that's really weird because she said she didn't know anybody. Yeah. And she didn't know where she was. But she seemed to kind of know the roads that the guy was talking about pretty well. And directions on how to get where they were going to go to meet up. And that's kind of weird, right? And the driver called herself Lady Sundown. That was her little, like, handle. Alias. Oh, my gosh. Whatever you want to say. And the man called himself, very originally... Night Rider. Ew. I'm Night Rider. Yeah. Night Rider to Lady Sundown. Ew. <laughs> I'm sorry. I couldn't even. Ew. So. Ugh. Okay. Okay. The two made plans. Lady Sundown and Night Rider. Okay. To meet up on this dirt road in Rome. Which beautiful. that sentence isolated in another context sounds, it sounds very beautiful and yeah. very like, oh, when in Rome, but really when in fucking Rome here, these people are assholes. Um, so Knight Rider pulls up in this red car and the drivers kind of get out. They're talking. Everyone's kind of out of the cars now. And it's like, oh, a meet up. Yeah. Like, oh, we're going to go, let's go to a party. Ew. No, I don't know you. And they look in the red car and there's two toddlers in the back seat so it's like okay this man with young children seems harmless like sure he looks a little goofy again he's kind of an oaf of a man but he seems fine and she seems like you know younger than you so you're like well what could she do you know she's younger and you know so the it's while it's suspicious the way things are happening the presence of kids and like let's go to a party and like there's a destination now we have somewhere that we're going kind of sets you at ease a little bit right because at least now there's something there are factors that typically would be mitigating right typically and remember how we started episode one if a man yep. approaches you ooh, stranger danger but if it's a couple mm-hmm. and they seem happy and they have kids and they have kids so really what would they do to me they have toddlers they've kept them alive hell what they're gonna risk their life with their kids to do something stupid i don't think so and so you can kind of see the guard go down and, and in every once in a while it kind of perks back up with something they say or the way they look or an eye, an, an exchange of expressions between the two of them. But as right. quickly as your guard goes up, it goes right back down because look at those cute little kids. Right. 
And so John was told to ride with Knight Rider now. So if you haven't figured it out, Knight Rider is Alvin. Yeah. But if Alvin But if I were Alvin Neely, I'd go by anything other than that too. Yeah. So now John's like, okay, so now the guys are riding together and the girls are riding together. And no, he was kind of don't con- he was separate. Kind of confused as to why they would be switching cars. Uh he didn't really feel that he was in danger because he just rode with the woman and she was fine. So Janice just jumped in the front seat. She's like, Ooh, like I'm going to have, like, I'm making a friend. She's, she's excited. She's making a friend. She's sitting in the front seat now. And at this time they switched the toddlers from the red car to the Dodge. So now the women have the kids and the guys are like having bro time. Disgusting. Okay. Kind of weird. But um, this is what's going on. No, I just don't want my children in my car anymore. Why don't I put them in your car? John told Alvin after they'd been dri- they were back on the road. He said, I got to use the bathroom. And Alvin radioed this into Lady Sunda. He fuck it. Alvin told Judy that this yeah. guy's got to pee. And Alvin's like, you know what? Me too. So they pull into a rest area. And so he's told Judith this. So she knows to pull over too. And then as John's walking into the restroom or walking toward the restroom, he notices that Alvin isn't following him. And he's like, this guy's going to pee too. Why isn't he coming? But him and Judah, they're talking. And that's really weird. And what John didn't know is by this time, Janice can't leave the car. Oh. She's been told she can't. And John is walking away. And then Judith gets out of the car. Or Lady Sundown. And she's walking toward him and he's like, this is kind of like, I'm going to take a leak, man. What are you doing? <laughs> What's you going on? Peaker. So then he sees that she's just not walking toward him. She's aiming a gun at him. Oh. And she starts telling him to turn around and walk toward the woods. So he's he follows what she said. He listens. She said, don't worry about your girlfriend. We'll take care of her yeah okay great and she pulled the trigger in the last second john moved a little bit to the left so he got shot in the shoulder i mean his shoulder was obliterated and it was bad and he fell he played dead good and that fight or flight sort of thing that we've talked about especially in the jerry bruto series where you you try to trust your gut that your gut knows what to do and he felt like if i play dead she's gonna go away yeah she thinks i'm down let her think i'm down yeah and while he was in excruciating pain this wasn't fatal good so john is laying there he's bleeding but he's not dead and alvin and judith took off with janice and the twins to a motel okay (sighs) Once in the motel room, some sources, and this breaks my heart, some sources say that they kind of made fun of Janice and the way that she talked. I will literally fucking fight them. I know. Janice was also raped in front of the children. The next day, Judy killed Janice and dumped her body. Okay. But that night, that very night, a truck driver was driving. 
good for him. as he did and he saw a man in the middle of the road ra- waving his hands and he's like that's weird so he slows down and as he gets closer he sees that this man is bleeding yep and he's like oh my so he gets him in the car and takes him to the hospital with good samaritan yeah absolutely so he gets to the hospital they have a surgery again he is in pain he is not doing too hot but this is not fatal he's going to be okay he's well enough to walk and like wave an arm around to say hey like help help a brother out yeah yeah so then after that john sat with law enforcement okay and explained everything that happened and agreed to help in every way he could because at this point he's like where's my girlfriend where's janice where did they take her they tried to kill me and his story sounds so out of the realm of possibilities like oh you got in the car with a woman then they meet then you meet up with this guy and then you got in the guy's car she stayed in the girl's car there's kids involved you get shot by the woman sure and oh right okay you know, and it's not that they didn't believe him, but they were like, this sounds pretty insane. Yeah. So if true, holy shit. But if not, like, what? Still, holy shit. What's going on? Like, with you what? Guy? Yeah. Let's talk a little more about that. Right. And he tried to just pick up what he could recall. So he he described what they looked like, okay. what Judith looked like, what Alvin looked like, what they called each other, Good. what their conversations were over the radio from what he could remember. Their cars. It was a brown Dodge. It was a red car. That's what he got. He noticed that their license plates were from out of state. They weren't Georgia plates, but he didn't remember where they were from, but he could say that. Hey, it's more than a lot of people get. And he was vital. He was very important to this. And he just gave them everything. I mean, they wrote everything down, but they're like, where do we even start? And an officer accompanied John through the hallway of the police station to lead him out of the building. But while they were walking, they passed a room where the young woman was sitting who was reporting about the woman who tried to abduct her, who Amazing. tried to get her in the car. Amazing timing. And they played the recording of the phone call report about uh, Lisa Milliken's body. Yeah. Of that woman calling about Lisa Milliken's body. And John stopped dead in his tracks. He's like, that's the woman. That's her voice. Yes. Like I heard that voice over the radio. I That's I heard her in person. That's her. So he is like distracted, makes it be like he happens to overhear this. Like the uh, way that this happened was like it was so meant to like it, the universe. There's no other way that this could like someone amazing. was in all of their corners and and worked on this because he's like that's it. So now they've got this missing 13 year old. Yeah, whose body has now been found. So shit, this was real. This was accurate. Yeah. They have a woman reporting that this young female tried to get her in the car. And they have a man saying this woman succeeded in getting them in her car. That It's like movie-like. Isn't it? The way of? that all of that collides at just the right vital moment. And it had to. And so they start putting some things together and there's a very long process to how they got here and i didn't write so much about that because i think we can get the gist of it and move forward right but the ballistics test revealed that the same gun that was used to kill lisa millican was also used to shoot john beautiful So they were able to connect those dots so okay we are officially talking about the same person so that's a solid link remind you there's detectives working the attacks on the ydc staff yep right so they kind of perk up about this new sort of involvement and and a third a kid goes missing and is dead and okay a young woman did this well 
we had a it sounded like a younger woman caller right who called to report about these things and who called the ydc staff you know homes right so there's a radio there's a connect there and so okay that's a little bit weird and so they kind of link these together and then they had the composite sketches okay they had what john described the woman to look like they had what this other woman the 22 year old said and we have what the 13 year old said accompanied by her mom right and these looked pretty similar they also knew that the plates were from out of state because right. John distinctly remembered that. And they couldn't really state where <laughs> they couldn't state which state it was in. <laughs> but they're like, OK, so we're assuming out of Georgia, either it's a rental or they aren't from around here. Right. That does narrow it down. It does. And they knew the f- it was a female that they're looking for. And they also are pretty sure it's a former resident of YDC because they're saying I was abused by staff at the YDC. Yeah. And this sounds like a young woman. So we don't. Okay. We don't think this is another staff member. We're and thinking this is a, a someone who was incarcerated there for a short period of time. Right. And sounds young enough that it probably wasn't 50 years ago. Correct. Yeah. So they cross-referenced all of these things. Okay. Women in, released from the YDC who fit this kind of composite sketch who looked like this woman yeah. who lived out of state, yeah, who had moved out of state, who had left Georgia. They tracked each and every one of them down yes. and confirmed alibis. There was one woman they couldn't contact, and that was Judith Neely. Yep. They also realized that Judith Neely, once they looked into her, because, okay, we've got her name, what's she been up to? They noticed that she had been arrested at the Riverbend Mall. Because Good. before she had robbed that woman at gunpoint right. when she was like 16 years old when she was pregnant. With fucking twins. And then as this little girl, I say little girl, 13 year old girl, leaves with a woman matching her description who, you know, also it happened to be at the Riverbend Mall. It's kind of like, okay, this is like her grounds. This is right. where she's comfortable operating. Red flag. And so they've Red put flag. these things together as it goes. So on October 9th, Judy was arrested at a motel in Tennessee, yes. but she wasn't arrested for these crimes. Oh, she was arrested for writing bad checks. Okay. And Alvin was arrested days later for his role in the scheme of the bad check writing. Oh, and Judy was pregnant again, by the way. Just a fun fact. She just loves being pregnant just before incarceration, I guess. How do you have energy for that? You have two toddlers. You're committing crime. I want my gym jams. I, this, Judith Neely is still a teenager. Just keep all, of, like, everything that's gone on, everything she's doing, just remember that. So, October 14th, law enforcement in Georgia have, this is when they have the name. This is when they okay. figured out, okay, this is Judith. And they're like, where do we start? Where do we look? But then they find out that she's already incarcerated in Tennessee for those bad checks. Beautiful. So, they're like, oh, they're caught. Yeah. And she's married and it's the husband. And, oh, he looks, you know, he fits the description that John gave. And so, okay, it's both of them. And we've got them already. But with Judith and Alvin already in custody. Yeah. And knowing that when they were caught, there wasn't anyone else with them. It was kind of bleak as they're looking for Janice Chapman. Right. And John still is operating under the assumption that she is alive. 
and taken. And now that he knows that they've been incarcerated a few days and still there's no Janice, it's getting bleaker and bleaker. Mm. No one thought it would be good news, but it was still devastating to find out that she was dead. Of course. After Judith and Alvin were officially caught for these crimes, not just the bad checks, and not to say just bad checks, but comparatively yeah. to what they've committed, yeah, just the bad checks. You can more make came, more money, you can't make more life. More came to the surface. The funny thing is, neither of them denied having something to do with the crimes. They just blamed the other one. Okay. At first glance, you might think that a man in his mid to late 20s who married a teenager would be the dominant personality. Yeah. The mastermind or the boss, if you will. But Alvin had a very different story. He wasn't as intelligent. He actually had a a lower IQ, but he had that same evil appetite that Judith had. Yeah. He was easily persuaded into escalating their crimes. But make no mistake, he was dangerous and evil, too. He just wouldn't have been smart enough to figure it out on his own. Right. He had that in him, but she acted as a catalyst to help get him there. But he was just as awful. Well, yeah. They worked as a team. And so you might think, like, she's this young girl, helpless girl who was, you know, scared and in pain and all of these things. And again, those can, that can exist too. Yeah. But she also enjoyed this. And Alvin was kind of a blubbering idiot. (laughs) in his interrogation yeah he did not play it cool this guy was shaken and he was like it was her it was all her and judith being younger and a female you might think that she'd be the first not to crack she'd be emotional she'd be whatever right we look at stereotypes well she she wasn't at all she was cold and calculated she didn't she wasn't weepy or scared or nervous or word vomit or do any of the things that her hubby over there was doing oh my gosh investigators came to realize that not only was she not an emotional mess about her crimes yeah she was the mastermind behind them she had that same appetite for violence and abuse she was aroused by watching her husband abuse their victims and she was game to join in a psychologist who interviewed judith ranked her as vastly more dangerous than alvin yeah i don't doubt it um in fact more dangerous than most criminals. He had her pegged as like elite serial kill- killer level. It was just that she hadn't had enough time to commit more crimes before she was caught. But it yeah. was no doubt that she was going to con- continue doing that. This was this gentleman's per- like professional opinion that he was awful and this is how he was. She was awful and here's how she was. And she right. was very intelligent and she was very good at manipulating to get her way. And that was sort of her game. Well, and I... You know, my armchair psychology comes out, right? So when I think about a kid, like a child, like a at max 19-year-old at her trial child, and a man who definitely had pedophilic interests, whether or not cognitively he was older than the people he was interested in, I don't know. But that in and of itself is stressful and to me she learns that somewhere and then I think okay well mom did a lot of that and while there's no reported abuse typically we see especially with kids that are um in a significant amount of abusive relationships I'll put it that way Mm -hmm. that that can become 
sexually arousing because that's how like when you grow up you're going to equate what you experience with what's normal so yeah of course it's going to be normal for him to be interested in significantly younger women Mm, it's not it's just the only thing she's seen right and that's not to say that she didn't have this appetite and drive of her own that is all her you know but it it's ah it's just fucking devastating because what if yeah, what if none of it? What if, what if none they of didn't it? meet? That was it. It's all maybe that's all it would have taken. What if she got out of that horrible situation at home listening to her mother fuck like fucking teenagers? Mhm. Um, and also like teenagers. But anyway. Mhm. <laughs> and then also she meets this man who does a the same thing to her and then B perpetuates the cycle that A this is normal and like also oh all of those awful terrible things you're thinking i think them too and then had this me and you against the world kind of thing and also right. because i'm isolating you from everybody but also because i'm all you have and you're all i have right and it's just it's such a toxic cycle but also like this isolated little toxic pair and all they have is what the other one is thinking and both of them are fucked in their own right oh for sure and again this is not to say that Judith wasn't abused by Alvin. No doubt she was. And oh, I'm yeah. sure at times she was afraid of him. Physically, I have no doubt he beat her. I have no doubt that emotionally and mentally he was awful to her. And battered woman syndrome absolutely applied to her. She fit that criteria to yeah. a T. No doubt about that. But these things can also exist at the same time. And in my opinion, they did. I think she fit that description i think all of those boxes can be checked i think she also had this appetite for violence i think she enjoyed it i think she took she liked the thrill she wanted these things to happen and we're going to talk about it in just a second here because she lived and breathed this shit she wanted to inflict pain on people and suffering because she enjoyed it and she was so dangerous because she was smart enough to trick you into thinking she was innocent right and she had like already calculated enough to plan your death while you still thought she was harmless she was that much ahead and she knew she could play it she could play it how she wanted to because it was judith who called authorities to report where 13 year old lisa milliken's body was right and you might be sitting there standing there laying there i don't know i'm not you but you might be wondering, Allie, my friend. Allie, my friend. My second favorite host. My first favorite <laughs> host. <laughs> Why would Judith call an alert law enforcement to the body of her own victim, right? Well, if she didn't want to get caught, why did she do that? And you might be wondering, well, maybe we have it wrong. Maybe she she was afraid and she wasn't evil. Maybe she felt remorse and that she never wanted to harm Lisa and that she had been abused and forced into criminality by her husband then she wanted justice for lisa maybe she wanted to get caught to have an end to all of this Uh, all of that yeah the answer though is fuck no ah yeah i wondered she didn't give a dimsdale dimadam (laughs) about lisa milliken truthfully judy cared about judy yeah but with this she was building her portfolio she was making a name for herself as an outlaw someone to be reckoned with Well, if their whole thing is Bonnie and Clyde, part of the stress, or not the stress, but the intimidation, I guess, of Bonnie and Clyde is 
They're known outlaws. They have a reputation. They're scary. Well, how can you build your reputation if no one knows about your victim? Exactly. They have to find them first. They have to know what you're capable of. They have to know what you did. Well, and also, there's got to be some egotistical shit to be like, well, I outsmarted the cops and I told them where she was. Right. But I mean, they dump her body and she's not found. And they're like, well, shit. No, like we just did all of this Come to build on. to build our uh, reputation and nothing's happening about it. Like, let me call them, calls them up, tells them where it is. They still can't find it. And she's like, my good God, it's if you take you this idiots. left, take three paces to the left, t- turn, turn right, about face, clap your hands, slap your own ass, move forward <laughs> and you will find it around town. Bring it and around move like town. this and then like this. And then, oh, there's a body. So Ugh. this wasn't because she's like, I want justice for her and I didn't want this to happen. And I snuck away to call the police to alert them to find this poor young girl's body. It was that she couldn't have the street cred she wanted to have Ugh. if they didn't find her. So this is the these are the mind games. And remember, she's a teenager. This is like high school shit, right? Yeah. This is like, well, I want the credit for it. And I want it to be like, mm. Mm. no, no, that's not how this works. And for her. You don't get the credit if your victim isn't found. So her victim needed to be found. Right. Because Judy didn't care about Lisa, but she needed buy-in from society that Lisa was murdered. Right. Right. She needed somebody to care. She needed someone to notice that she wasn't actually a runaway, even though it really did look like she was kind of an arrangement, right, to get picked up and brought away. Right. Maybe she knew this woman. Maybe this woman was going to bring her to her family and she'd be back in a few weeks. Who knew? They, they sure as hell didn't. It wasn't like Lisa had friends that she was telling things to. This Ugh. girl was just in pain and alone, and it was terrible. But if nobody knows, and they think she's a runaway. Then nobody can sound the alarm to say that you've done this, or someone's done this awful right. thing. And how do you bolster your name when this can't be credited to you? Right. That math ain't mathin'. And it certainly wasn't to Judy. And so it is staggering that a 13-year-old could disappear without a statewide notice going out. Because in the world we live in today, we would have that. Right. But with your 1980s lens on, and the idea that she, it really did look like she was a runaway. There was no Amber Alert. There was no, no. There was no flashing on the TV. There was no mass text sent out, right? You have to think that we're talking 40 years ago. This is latchkey kids and just do whatever you want. Don't put the oven on past 450 era, mm-hmm. you know? And these monsters were like foaming at the mouth and they whisked her away to spend her final days on this planet being raped tortured and then murdered to be discarded off the side of a mountain like garbage like you need to sit with that this is a 13 year old child and it's unfathomable and heartbreaking and infuriating all at the same time and i can't imagine what her short life was filled with but i can hope that she's at least at peace now i have to believe that i in Alvin's interview, again, he spilled. This guy, like, word vomited on word Ugh. vomited. But, again, killers aren't usually truthful. No. Alvin was no exception. He said that everything was due to this idea. That she was the mastermind behind it all. And while she was definitely smarter than him and he was a dumbass, <laughs> um, 
it took two to tango and yeah. they were both involved equally they were dancing but he said that she planned the attacks on the ydc staff because if you know this is true the abuse that she had that she had suffered if she was being honest with that then she is the one with revenge or you know has some has that has this ill will against them this that vendetta, alvin wouldn't yeah. have otherwise right you know if, if there was if this hadn't happened to her he's got no issue with the ydc staff they're not yeah. on his radar but judith had written a hit list judith she did so she sort of was gonna move down that list she got to two she was it was gonna be a third okay right and then that right. woman didn't meet with her so he says that Judith is the one that wanted the people at YDC dead. And he also said that Judith is the one that killed Lisa Milliken and she's the one that killed Janice Chapman. Okay. He denied any of the sexual assault. And the interrogators already had the autopsy results for Lisa Milliken by this time. Right. You guys, Ali's cat is chasing his tail. Oh, Oliver. He's so cute. Well, I hope that's a little reprieve because this is about to get bad. Oh, God. So the okay. interrogators had the autopsy results for Lisa Milliken. Yeah. And so they knew that his, the Alvin's denial of any sexual component was complete and utter horseshit. Yeah. And they confronted him with this. And he said, okay, okay, listen, here's what really happened. Right. And then he proceeded to tell a story that didn't happen. Of course. He said... Oh, how do I put this? He said that Judith had masturbated him into a Dixie cup. Okay. Because she wanted to. Um, and then she took that Dixie cup and she poured that into Lisa, which is why his DNA was found there. But he had no role in it. He did not um, abuse her. And they knew this to be not true. But um, this is the web he spun. This He really thought it up and was like, yep, that's the one. Yep, that's what I'll say. You know how, like, sometimes a movie comes out or, like, a book, right? And you're like, oh, my God. Not only is this the dumbest thing I've ever heard. You had to pitch this. Someone else had to hear it. And then someone else had to, like, fund it and then make it happen. Because mm-hmm. they were like, that's the best idea that's we the have. Best of it. With all of our heads together, his, this is what we've come up with. His brain executive board was like, you know what? Listen, she just loves my cum and needed a cup of it. And I was a willing participant because, like. Because I'm a giver. I'm a giver. And I'm not going to deny my wife a Dixie cup. Of when she asks for love, it. Yeah. You know. Um, and what she chooses to do with that, if that is, I don't know, put my DNA physical evidence in this child that she murdered and raped, that I certainly didn't have anything to do with despite all of this forensic evidence. Well, that's just not on me. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's on her. And they called him on this and they were like, we know that this isn't true. And he's like, shit. You're right. It was a red solo cup. What the fuck? But Alvin also said that Judith was very dangerous and that he's afraid of her, which also could be true. I don't, I'm not saying that he wasn't. She was somebody to be afraid of. He said she belittled him and put him down and then her mood would, she'd have these mood swings that were extreme to extreme 
And so he just never knew what side of her he was going to get that day. Okay. Because she could be kind to him and then mean to him and boss him around and make him feel bad and then, like, threaten to cheat on him and then like lie about she like it was this whole like all of this Ugh. manipulative you know like how teenagers do it like who yeah. wasn't an asshole in in your teen years thank god i am not the same person i was when i was 16 right and if you're not a completely different person you there's some growth missing there at least right at least i needed to grow and i know that and so on one hand i'm like it's really difficult for me to judge so harshly on the actions of a child right but when those actions so negatively impacted other people, they need, to, you knew the, con- maybe you didn't know the extent of the consequences, but you knew what you did was wrong. Right. And when we look at like psychology and we look at child development, morality and particularly in the realm of hurting others, maiming others to a serious extent, these are things that should have been very well developed by the time you get to 16 even. Probably by like you're eight and you're like, ooh, I shouldn't do that. That's why they consider convicting 10-year-olds of murder. You know, I mean, like, I'm not going to get into all of that because that's a whole can of worms in and of itself. But when we look at these things, there are benchmarks. There are ages that, yeah, we should be figuring this one out by now. Mm-hmm. So... I agree. It's hard to really understand the extent of culpability, but there is most certainly culpability. Oh, for sure. And he's saying, you know, not necessarily that she was the boss. I don't know that his ego would have allowed him to say that, but he was saying like there were times where she was unpredictable and because she had killed these other people too, he's like, I have to do it because look, she killed Lisa Milligan. Like she killed this 13 year old girl. Yeah. Right. So this is what he this is his this is yeah. what he's saying. Of course it's not true. Um and he said that I'll draw you a map. And he drew on the map where he said Janice's body was dumped. Okay. And he signed the bottom of it. And following that map, law enforcement found Janice's body. Okay. Otherwise they probably never would have found it. If Alvin uh. or Judith didn't tell them, I don't know if they would know where to look. Right. She had been shot uh, in the back once and in the chest twice. Oh. But she had experienced a very similar sexual abuse before that. Right. But they learned with Lisa that the Drano injections didn't do what Alvin's buddy at the jail said. So don't believe everything you hear, kids. They're not the sharpest tools in the shed. Judith's interrogation was kind of interesting she was pretty cold and detached okay but eventually she did answer their questions she just completely glazed over entire details and like pages of things that should have been said that weren't right about the ydc workers linda adair and ken dooley she said that linda had forced her to have sex with ken so the two of them were like at the top of her list that being said i don't know where the third woman came in then right there's no evidence of this at all. She also said that there was a prostitution ring within the YDC. Aww. This was also disproven. Um, she made up details that simply could not have been true. So okay. it's really hard. And again, I don't want to say that this definitely didn't happen because Hella would make a lot of sense as to why she could have just had such a detached view of things and that anger in her. Right. You know, everyone's going to handle that kind of trauma differently. 
and why she would choose a girl if she had experienced that that was so similar to her at that age yeah who had been abused and you know why you would I mean you probably didn't know that was her story obviously but you wonder if maybe she could tell and she'd be like yeah she's very unhappy let's get her like she'll come with us willingly right this isn't a girl who's got this loving home you know she's got no connection she's not here here. with her parents you can tell that this girl is is detached right and she'll be perfect to take with us you know and so maybe she could like recognize that in her that maybe some other some other people might not have been able to but why she would choose a girl who would truthfully been abused and if this was the abuse that judith is saying she experienced you'd think that she wouldn't but there's no rationale really behind this it was just she's an awful person right so with lisa milliken judith said lisa left with her on her own free will and this is true she did she walked out with her she wasn't stolen from there she wasn't kidnapped kicking and screaming and not wanting to go she left because she thought that it was her best option and they drove around in the car for a little bit and the kids were in the back and maybe that put lisa at ease probably they went to a motel in alabama judy said they kept lisa handcuffed to the bed frame but did not disclose any of the sexual abuse that they inflicted on her we know what she went through because of the autopsy results right but judith would not admit to that Judy then said that she knew she had to kill Lisa because she was afraid Lisa would tell the police if she let her go. So that wasn't an option. So she explained about the Drano and the liquid plumber and how she had tried to inject it in all of these different places in her body and they waited for her to die, but she didn't. And Lisa begged to go back to the Harpst home and she promised that she'd never speak of it again. But instead, Judith just told Lisa to walk to the edge of the cannon and then shot her in the back and what they know is actually how it really did happen that lisa felt toward judith instead of away from her and got blood on the jeans and that's why those jeans were found hanging from a tree branch near where the body was and the same with the needles and so this is started some of it's piecing together but they're leaving out these major torturous details that make them look bad because right right now Judith saying, well, it was all Alvin. And I, I mean, she was handcuffed, but, you know, I knew she would tell and I couldn't let her do that because, you know, Alvin would be mad. Um, yeah. No, I, I know that this is their story, but yeah. Mm. And then, the you know, it, this progresses and even more came out. And Alvin told ridiculous stories that I won't insult your intelligence by repeating. <laughs> But ultimately, the truth slowly unraveled by what was not said between them. You know, like one would give a detail, this one, you know, and they're kind of not admitting to it. And then if the truth did come out, it was like, well, he did it. Right. She did it. And so neither one of them is like, nope, had nothing to do with this. They're both like, oh, sure. But it was it was that one. It wasn't me. I was forced into it. And parts of that might be true, and that's why it's so challenging. But at the same time, you did it. So even if you were forced into do, or you felt forced into doing a part of it, you killed somebody. You killed somebody. With every fucking opportunity, A, not to. B, to go to the fucking police. These two were separate a lot. All of the times that people report being approached, it's by 
Judy alone. They had two cars with radios in them. They were just communicating to each other. Oh, I I mean, I know that. Judy was the one, like, out on the prowl. She was, like, the one doing it. Exactly. So what I'm saying is, like, forced or not forced, there was no lack of opportunity to do something about it. Mm-hmm. And even if, even if not, I mean, listen, I'm a pacifist. Okay, I get that. That's my unicorn shitting rainbow world. Mm-hmm. Kill me instead. You know, I just, I don't even care enough. I'm not going to do that to someone else. I'm not. I I can't imagine ever being in a situation where a 13-year-old like it's a 13-year-old or me and I have the option to do something to save a 13-year-old and I don't take it. And you can live too. Go figure. Yeah. Like, like it doesn't need to be a me or her situation. That's the very worst case scenario and I can't see it happening. But when you have this mindset of it's us against the world and everybody else is the world, you take care of business. And this is the mindset. And so he said, you know, he didn't kill Lisa. He didn't kill Janice. Judy did that. He also said that Judy told him she'd done all of this before. She'd killed tons of people. Oh, okay. Could be true. Who knows? Might also not be. So Judith gave birth to her baby, a boy, while she's obviously incarcerated, uh, this time while awaiting trial. Oh, nice. Her Alabama trial began in 1983. 19. So she's 19 years old. Wow. These are for the crimes she committed when she was like 17, 18 years old. Of course, it took a little bit of time. She was found competent to stand trial. Highly intelligent and not delusional. Yeah. She was denied youthful offender status, which her attorney was seeking um, because it would have she would have been sentenced to lesser charges. And a lot of people, I think, in the true crime community really like to shit on defense attorneys because they're like, how can you know, whatever they are just as much an integral part of oh yeah the system as prosecutors and i think you know it it depends whatever your narrative is whatever you want to happen you're going to blame the other side when you know they try to impede on that from from your viewpoint but defense attorneys are there for you the person you know the the citizen whatever however you want to put that and so a lot of people are like how dare they apply for offender status for her given the extent of what she did and while as a human in a capacity i understand that but their job is to defend you to the best of their ability and you would want that same treatment if you were wrongfully convicted you know oh absolutely if you were wrongfully accused of something like this you would want all of these things in place and so i just i always hear like that part of it and sometimes i think defense attorneys can be really shady and there's oh, a yeah. ton of cases where that's the case there's a ton of cases where everyone involved is and so but I also just want to throw out there, I mean, my my take on, I mean, I couldn't be a prosecutor or a defense attorney. Personally, I don't have it in me. You know I could be a prosecutor. <laughs> yeah. If I had to pick one, I would be a defense attorney because it's a constitutionally protected right. Mm-hmm. And while I, 
I would have a very difficult time living with myself if I convicted someone who was innocent, but I would have a much easier time living with myself knowing that I got this guy the best deal he could get. I navigated a system he couldn't. And I think that sometimes it's overlooked that there are defense attorneys that are purely doing it to help someone navigate a very foreign system. Mm -hmm. And guilty or not, your lawyer doesn't have to believe that. A lot of times they're you. like, don't tell me. I, yeah. do, I, I will not be able to do, do not this objectively tell me. Yeah. if you tell me. And so, you know, I agree. There are places where everybody's shady. A lot of courtroom work is adversarial. You're going against each other. You're going for your streak, your record, your numbers of one cases. That's not everyone, but it could be anyone. Mm-hmm. So just throwing that out there, because I always, I always find it worth mentioning. There are defense attorneys that are not doing it for the sake of sticking up for people who are in the wrong. <laughs> mm -hmm. There's a lot of people that just want a name for themselves. And yeah. in this particular case, he, the, her attorney knew that he was fighting this losing battle with trying to get the right. youthful offender status. The, the charges were way too great. There was way too much evidence. There was no way that was going to happen. Obviously, she was denied. And so it moved forward in adult court. Well, and also, just thinking in my legal lens, if I were that attorney and I knew that that was a losing battle, I wouldn't want a retrial or a mistrial or an appeal to come of an incompetent attorney who's not doing everything they can for you. Of course. I would want to know that what I did was sufficient enough that this is going to stick. And it was, and it's it your is. job to do that. And, and you need to do that. Right. Right. While she had been awaiting trial, Judith had had some dental work done. Okay. Um, her teeth were kind of like filed down those two front teeth. She'd had like chip teeth kind of replaced. She was looking more put together and human than she probably ever had. Right. She was dressed appropriately for court. Good for her. Dress appropriately, please. And she spent the majority of her trial sitting with her head down, kind of looking at her hands. Okay. Her defense relied heavily on blaming her husband, that she was frightened and an unwilling participant, and she was doing what she needed to do to survive. They said that Alvin had committed the murders. She only aided in the kidnapping them because he told her to. And again, no one is saying, no, not us. Mm -mm. They're saying, yes, I was there, but he did it. And yes, I was there. She did it. Right. So if this is really, we're not getting down to, were you both there? Right. We know that. Check and check. But she feigned emotion through this. <sighs> Upon closer look, the jury could see that she was fake crying. She didn't actually shed a tear. This this remorse and, and fear and shame and guilt that she claimed to have felt, that it was that she was painted as this and again, let's not forget, she is a decade younger than him, so like his submissive, you know child victim child bride co type offender. thing. Yeah. Um you know, that she was really in pain. And again, don't doubt it. But this was a show. She felt yeah pretty much nothing and they saw that this was a facade so they were like they had no remorse for her they like no mercy and all of her surviving victims and attempted victims testified in her trial that she was the one who was in charge that she did not appear to be taking shots from him like he wasn't calling them and like barking orders at her and she followed she was in the driver's seat right 
And John Hancock took the stand and told of exactly what happened to him and Janice and emphasized that it was Judith who shot him, not John. Right. It was Judith who followed him that ordered him around. It was Judith who decided that Janice needed to go with her and he never saw his girlfriend again. It was also Janice that was so eager for them to go with her. So this was not this thing where she looked so afraid and nervous and all of that. She was in full control from what he observed. And then defense also called Alvin's first wife. Joanne, remember all the way from part one, Joanne, when she was 15 and he was 20, they were married. And in a few short years, they had three kids, a very horrible marriage, and they divorced when she was 20, probably a little old for him. Yeah. And he was 25. Placed her for a younger model. Exactly. It's funny. He had three kids with both. Disgusting. Joanne talked about her marriage with him that he was abusive that he beat her that he tried to rape her teenage sister that he was an awful husband but this was spun around on her by prosecution saying that she didn't have any broken bones so you can't be telling the truth and and while i agree with prosecution in this case that was you know going after judith judith was on trial here you don't I know that the defense's witness was Joanne, ironically. Okay. Right? So, 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 wait, Ju- hold on. so Judy's on trial. Yes. Joanne, his first wife, yes. is called by defense to testify. Okay. To how awful of a man Alvin is. Sounds right. Okay. Check. Because Joanne was also abused. Judith was abused. And right. so this woman is the only other this woman. Is a pattern. Yes. We and we yeah. know how awful he is to women and how he treats them and how you feel like you need to do what he says to do. Sure. And the prosecutors want to break this down because this doesn't fit what they're saying. They're saying Judith is the mastermind. So not that Alvin isn't so bad, but it kind of helps if he doesn't look so bad. Right. That Judith is the one in the driver's seat. Don't take attention away from her. She's the one that's doing this. So they tell this witness, well, you know, you must not be telling the truth because there's no injuries from you. Okay. There's no broken bones. There's no hospital record stating what you went through. So you must be faking it. Alvin didn't actually beat you, did he? Ooh. Which is horseshit. Abusers don't need to break bones to be abusive. And the fucking idea that the second your abuser hurts you, you're going to go to a hospital that you're as if be that's able to. not going to get your ass beat worse. And it's also not to say that some... <clears throat> A lot of abusers who want to leave marks will do so in a place that won't be visible so they can continue to do that. And guess what? Bruises don't show up on x-rays. So I do believe that she was abused by him. I believe Alvin abused Judith. I also believe Judith was a willing and eager participant in their crimes. Oh, yeah. And with Judith, I think Alvin met his match. She could give as good as she could get. It was mutually combative. Oh, yeah. She could give as good as she could take it. Yeah. And she did also emotionally abuse him. I have no doubt that she put him down. Oh, yeah. I'm sure she got scrappy. I don't think that she took his shit. I think that she would take it for the interim and then she'd fight back. Well, and clearly these are both two people that struggle with power and control. That's what they both want. And 
both of them had this evil streak in them and it was like they were playing the game of like who can be fucking worse right and they both won so that's good and you win horrific prizes when you play horrific games i don't know he raped their victims we know that it's yeah. also reported that Judith also raped them. And this was pointed to as her being bisexual. And I'm like, okay, well, no. Um, being bi doesn't make you a rapist. Being bi is not why you rape someone. Often, you don't even have to rape someone that you're actually sexually interested in. We know rape is not about sex. Rape like- <laughs> very rarely has anything to do with sex and all to do with power. And what is it that they wanted? power okay they want it over each other they want it over victims they want it in the media like the whole thing is about them wanting power and struggling fucking terribly and while i don't have anything to say that oh we we had this established pattern that uh judy was bi and so we can say like okay like she was into men and women we do have this established pattern that alvin was into teen like young teenage girls right and so we don't have anything to say judith was into young teenage girls we know that judith was into this older guy this is all we have confirmed like that we can visually see right right so that doesn't add up nope not even a little bit but you know it when you're trying to hammer your case home it's whatever's gonna fit you you throw throw it at the wall wall, and you see what sticks and if it keeps sticking you keep throwing and you just kind of roll with it and so i disagree with some of the things that prosecutors said but i agree with prosecuting her oh yeah you know so you can you can disagree and agree with defense and prosecution at the same time oh yeah when you look at you know when when you can't look at it just from one angle so Judith was not forced to do these things. He was not forced to do these things. Prosecution reiterated that a psych- psychiatrist had not thought that she was under his thumb. Right. That while she was, she did fit the definition, I guess, of battered woman syndrome in the 80s, that she was also proven to be very much in the driver's seat of what she wanted to do. Yeah. And that this fake show of emotion in court... And how quickly it stopped when it was like, you know, the switch was flicked. Um, it it kind of made it easy for the jury to come to a decision. Yeah. And so for the murder of Lisa Milliken, they found her guilty. Good. She was sentenced to life without parole. Hey, I want. But the judge didn't feel that was enough. So the judge changed it and she said, actually, you're sentenced to death oh shit so at like 19 years old she was the youngest woman to be sentenced to death in america wow that's a hell of a title she pled guilty to kidnapping um john hancock and janice chapman in georgia and agreed to testify against alvin in that so because this is over state lines they were in alabama because that's where lisa milliken was killed right but john and Janice were in Georgia. Right. And so to spare her from another charge, and essentially she's already been sentenced to death. So yeah. what what's it, an extra charge going to do? Well, it was almost like a waste of resources in Georgia to have an, a full-on trial to something where the end result is she's going to be incarcerated for life. Right, because she's going to die anyway. So she did agree to testify against Alvin, but ultimately she didn't need to do that because he accepted a plea. 
because he's like, she just got the death penalty. I sure shit know I'm going to get the death penalty. So he accepted a plea to be spared the death penalty. Okay. And so he was sentenced to um, life in prison in Georgia for um, the kidnapping, all of the crimes basically against John Hancock and Janice Chapman. So they kind of each got like one almost, you know what I mean? Okay. Um, a couple of years after the trial, a girl named Casey came forward. And all I could really find was that her first name was Casey and I didn't really see anything else. But she said that she'd been kidnapped by Judith Neely. Oh. She said that she only came forward after she saw her picture in the paper because she knew she'd already been locked up. But wow. she wouldn't have come forward if she thought she was still out there. That's how afraid she said that she was. Holy shit. She said that while she was basically in captivity, if you will, Judith bragged about her crimes, saying that there were several murders that she was responsible for, and she enjoyed it, and she'd do it again. Oh, well, yeah, it seems like it. And she was sort of taunting this girl with this information. She said that Judith liked to see the the fear in the victims' in, in their eyes and their faces. And Casey said that she was let go by Alvin because Judith was arrested for writing bad checks. Remember when she got arrested in oh, October? Oh, shit. And so with Judith gone, Alvin knew they were coming for him. So he was getting, he was cleaning house. Yes. And yeah. so it was, I don't think he knew what to do on his own because I do believe that he had, hadn't actually killed them. I think that was Judith's It sounds role. like her. And he said or Casey said that he was she was let go but she was the last victim because within like days right. Alvin was also arrested and then they never spoke of Casey oh okay. and Casey didn't come forward and then she sees them incarcerated and she's like okay now I can some people believe her some people don't I think it's absolutely possible oh yeah but so much of it had been written already so much of it had right. been released and published that there wasn't a whole lot of information that was kept close to the chest because they felt like they had their answers yeah and you know these are public records and things come out and so you know who was to say that this woman wasn't lying i think that it's probably likely i think it fits i think it makes sense i also think if we look at the timeline and just where technology was at. Like, if that was today, it's significantly easier to Google that and have every single resource at your fingertips. Mm -hmm. It takes a lot more work and dedication to do that in the early 80s. But if you could, you know, find the newspaper oh, articles yeah. that on, you know, October 9th, it's not they impossible. were arrested. So, oh, I, just, was, I was abducted October 5th, right. right? And that's not to say that this girl did that, but... There are people out there that are like, that almost follow stories like that. It's like they're groupies and they're like, how can I weasel myself in here for a buck? Oh, yeah. I don't but think this girl was going after money. I think she was like, I need to say what happened to me because I have no doubt she experienced horrors if this is true, right? That's why I think too, right? Because A, it would take a lot more work. And for me in my head, to do a lot more work, you'd need a reward of some kind. Mm -hmm. Whether that reward was status people talking about you attention money anything like that i get it just doesn't to me that math ain't mathin that reward is not big enough for the work she'd have to do and it fits both of their characters seemingly from what we know right yeah so i'm not counting it out no 
So we're going to fast forward a little bit and we're kind of going to like jump back in time. So we're going to just cover Alvin because he's fucking easy. He died in 2005 in his early 50s. Oh, okay. Big whoop. May he rot in hell. Right. But we still have a lot more with Judith because for some reason, and I I cannot put it into words because I I cannot figure this out. In 1999, just days before he left office, Governor Fob James commuted Judith's sentence to life. Huh? He spared her the death penalty in his, like, final week in office. Huh? Because she was sentenced to life, this now made her eligible for parole given the current laws in Alabama at the time. Ah. Despite many powers opposing it, he didn't, and then he left office. So to, to to try to prevent her from getting parole, they literally passed a law. Like, they sat down, roundtabled this, wrote this shit down, sent it up the fucking line to try to get this passed, and it was. Good. That would prevent her from being able to be released on parole like okay. it would make her ineligible for it which and i don't know if the the law stated like even if your sentence is commuted you do not get parole you it's just life in prison right but she fought it she appealed this law that was written stating that it was unconstitutional and she won Ugh. okay so Judith, every five years, comes up for parole. Holy. Because she can now. Mm-hmm. In May of 2023, okay, not okay. too long ago. Yeah. Judith was up for parole again. Again, as she will be. Right. And I wanted to sort of wrap this up with some statements from victims' families. Okay. And a lot of it really has to do with the frustration of Judith being eligible for parole in the first place. Uh, yeah. So Lisa's sister, Lisa Milliken's sister, uh, her name is Tina. She was only three at the time when Lisa oh. was murdered, which means that she probably did not have much of a relationship with her. At least not in working memory. But she has been sure to attend the hearings Every time Judith comes up for parole. Ugh, that's a good sister. Tina said that Lisa missed out on getting to grow up, have children of her own, meet her nieces and nephews. Why should her murderer get to do those things? Yeah. God said to forgive but not forget. And I'm working on that. And though the hearing in Alabama was for the murder of Lisa Milliken, it doesn't mean that other family members are discouraged from speaking on this. You know, so uh, victims, family members, like... Janice Chapman's basically right. or John Hancock or anything like that. It doesn't mean that, oh, well, this doesn't relate to your case. So you can't say anything. Anybody can like speak to the character of this person and advocate right. for or against their release. Janice Chapman had a daughter. Okay. Before she was killed, she had a, a toddler. Again, remember her ex-husband had yeah. custody of those children and they were without a mom. And she said that Judith is a monster and doesn't deserve mercy. Damn. And so she attends everything for the death of her mother. Good. Kathy Carr was a teacher at the school that Lisa attended. Oh. 
Um, this was when she had moved um, to the second group home in Cedartown. So yeah. she hadn't been at that school too long, but Kathy Carr remembered her as a sweet and shy girl who was just starting to make friends in class. Ugh. And she said, quote, as teachers, your students are your babies. She'll always be my baby. And District, District Attorney Summerford said, and this was a quote, Children are often scared of various things. You have the monster in your closet or the monster under the bed. A monster had a name in Northeast Alabama, and it was Judith Ann Neely. Shit. Mic drop. Hell yeah. Pa-pow. So then there's Calvin Milliken. Okay. The last name should sound familiar. Sure does. Calvin Milliken was Lisa Milliken's brother. Right. And Calvin is grown and married to a woman named Cassie who has, they've both been vocal about the decision to commute due to the sentence because they are infuriated to say the least. And they say that it's a slap in the face to the family and that they shouldn't have to open old wounds every few years for a case that was closed long ago. Especially to protect the peace and the safety that was a fight that had already been won. Like they could rest well at night knowing that she would never see the light of day. And now decades later, you have to reopen this and say, oh, actually, no. They also said that it was cowardly for the governor to commute Judith's sentence just before he left office because it absolved him from having to answer to the decision. Shit. He didn't have to answer to voters. He didn't have to answer to any reporters he didn't have to answer to the family he just got to make that decision and wash his hands of it and calvin milliken said this quote judith ann neely was actually only four years older than my sister oh my gosh my sister was 13 she was 17 and her being young like that i think my sister may have trusted her a little bit yeah I mean, my sister didn't meet no stranger. She was a friend to everybody. And it was like, he knew his, you know, she didn't have the chance to like make real friends. And if she had them when she was younger, she got moved to this middle and, you know, this place she didn't know with people she didn't know who are all injured in their own way. Right. And then there's this girl who's like, could, you know, if this girl's in high school or, you know, middle school and then she's just like a like junior and high you know what i mean yeah. like judith like and cool older girl it was like an eighth grader and a junior in high school yeah like hanging out like is it super common probably not but they're you know neighborhood friends yeah they're your mom's best friend's kid that you see every time you know what i mean like it's not out of the realm of possibility and you know four years difference at that age sure but i don't know maybe some people are wise beyond their years. Well, and fr- you know, I was always friends with people older than me. Same. Obviously, because we're the same. We are the same. But would it have been, like, unconscionable for them to be friends? No. No. And also, like, I know myself, and I know at that age, especially, like, I am the youngest in my entire generation of cousins. Uh, you know, the ones I grew mm-hmm. up with. So, anyone that was older, I was like, oh my gosh, they're so cool. They're like my cousins. Mm-hmm. Like, and you just look up to them because that's what you do when you're a child. I looked up to one of my cousins. Mm-hmm. I won't say her name, but she does listen. So, hey, hey girl. you know who you are. 
I thought she was the bee's knees, the coolest yep. thing. And she was so good to me when I was younger because she had like about a decade on me. Yeah. I still think she's the bee's knees. I still think she's the coolest thing. And that relationship is so special to me. But there's 10 years between us. And when I was a kid, I was lucky that she was good to me. But, yeah. you know, it, she could have been like, oh, what a weirdo. Or, you know what I'm saying? Okay, but like, kid, bugger off. But I yeah. looked up to her. And so if instead of 10 years, there's four between you yeah and here's this girl who i mean doesn't look unlike everybody that you know yeah and she can get you away from here for a few hours and drop you off back at the harps house later than and she actually seems decent and you just want a fucking friend because everything's shit and you just got moved to nowhere like you've been through enough and you're not you're probably not thinking 10 steps ahead you are just surviving so you are thinking one step ahead and And if this gets you out of here even if you're thinking 10 steps ahead, God only knows what those steps are. Those 10 steps at 13 would have been like, where the fuck can I get a pretzel in this mall? Yep. You know I what have I mean? $10 in my pocket burning a fucking hole and I need Auntie Anne's like stat. You know, so yeah. you just, it does make you wonder and it's just very sad. So the Millikens and what I say the Millikens, I mean calvin and cassie okay again because of the reports that the parents weren't so great i i'm sure calvin was probably removed from their care um sounds like he's fighting for his sister so i don't say that like the millican family didn't give a shit i think certain people who were probably abusing her in the first place weren't outwardly showing emotion about it i'll put it that way right calvin and cassie have never shut up about it and i love that good keep talking and they don't believe for a second that judith neely wasn't in full control so her like i was you know i only did this because of alvin they're like "Uh uh-uh you knew exactly what you did and they don't believe that anyone should even give her a chance they encourage that if you'd like to write to the alabama parole board you can do so nice to oppose um the parole for judith neely the family uses the phrase too good to be forgotten in their letters, which I think they said was a phrase that Lisa used to use or sign Aww. her letters with. So they incorporate that in their I love that. requests for her not to be paroled. And, and I don't know with parole hearings if it needs to be local. Like if you need to be from that state or from that area. I mean, we're up here in the Northeast, so I don't know that that would be if they would accept that, you know. Or... If they did, really, what the weight of that would carry, you know? You know, but I I think it's worth mentioning anyway that that's sort of the family's call to action. That's sort of how they've felt that they can be productive and helpful and make a difference. They think that's, you know, what's done is done, but they can try to oppose it every time it comes up. It just opens that wound every few years. It's like you never get to just let it go you can't ever move on because it's you're gonna blink and the time's gonna come back up again and they're not gonna miss it for a minute so it's funny (sighs) the most recent parole hearing in may of 2023 not a single person spoke in favor of judith's release damn and several spoke in opposition good the board unanimously voted to deny her parole as they should and had she been granted parole she likely would have just been moved to the Georgia correctional system because she still has a sentence to serve there. Right. So 
would she really get to be out on parole? Probably not. But she might have a glimpse at it. Right. And who knows what would change there. And it's the principle of the thing. It's also... I have no doubt she has her fair share of skill and tactic and ability because she has at least been convicted of two different murders, you know? Mm-hmm. And I can say that confidently, at least. Yes. Similar to Ted Bundy, I find it difficult to believe that this was the uh, the entrance and into they, her crime. They could have committed more than one because, I mean, neither of them mentioned Casey. Right. And they both knew that happened. So they were probably only like, we're not going to mention anything that they didn't already well, find. Well, of course, you don't fucking offer up your entire hand when someone's like, I know that you have an ace. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, there you go. There's the one card. I'll keep the other ones close to chest. Plus, they probably knew that they were already in for it with the two that they had. And I, I personally don't trust a lot of people who are convicted of murder to be open and honest with everything else that's happened. I think they're going to stick very much to just what we're talking about because they don't even want to be talking about that. So... Yes, it's the principle. Yes, it's the integrity of the justice that we are saying we are dedicated to upholding. But also, I mean, what was her name? Sunset Rider? Sundown. Sundown. Lady Sundown. Lady Sundown spent a lot of fucking time in cars trying to murder people. It doesn't sound like an awful Mario Kart character name. Ooh. Like Princess Peach, Lady Sundown. I love that. Um, I don't like Lady Sundown out of principle, but I agree. And it would probably make a sick rap on a car. But anyway. <laughs> Damn it, Judith. But I'm I'm just saying you don't know the risk that you open up with her just by even transporting her. You just don't. And she's vile. And does she deserve that? No. No. Not in my opinion. And I think especially in my head to see a kid so struggling and i you know i can't say for sure i'm not judith but i would bet some serious money on a kid that looks just like fucking her that Mm -hmm. she knows because it was her Mm -hmm. you know what it's like to be you that shit sucks don't Mm -hmm. why what is the point in that why wouldn't your and now okay okay all right i'm not advocating for this the logic in my head is so difficult to follow where it's like, you know what? I know what it was like to be the little guy at the bottom of the totem pole. Let's pick on that one. What? I know it. Okay. All right. Then I don't feel bad about any of it. Like, like I d- why would you victimize somebody who you wished like y- you could be a friend to that you knew you needed? Right. Or just fucking leave her alone. Don't or, even talk to her. Or simply don't engage. Just, just simply don't. Whatever you're thinking of doing, don't. Take no action at all. It's it's just fucking depraved. I don't know. The well, inability to humanize any other person. As it stands now, Judith Neely is 59 years old. Okay. She is still incarcerated. Yeah. She believes she's reformed and is ready to start pursuing parole soon, taking it seriously. There are some parole hearings she's backed out of. 
Okay. Saying out of respect for the families, I won't. Interesting. Because I know I'm not ready yet. Okay. And then she's like, yet, right? Like I'm going to, she's getting there. But she is 59 years old. She is currently incarcerated and we will see if she is ever released. And that is the end of part two of Alvin and Judith Neely. Well, I'm ending this one significantly less mad at you. Thank you. In fact, I'm not angry at you at all. But you um, are angry at Judith and Alvin. Absolutely. Yes, correct. Okay. Um, and I think truly that you reap what you sow. You know, sometimes, and this is not me saying that if something bad happens to you, you deserve it. But I am saying that sometimes when you do awful, terrible shit, that will come back and bite you in the ass. It's not to say when something bad happens, you deserve it. But if, if it is to say when you do something bad and you are held accountable and responsible for it and you are met with the consequences of that, that's not something bad happening to you. That is something right. that <laughs> th- those are the consequences being handed down. Yes. And sometimes consequences can be good, but that usually comes from good actions. So just throwing that out there. But what in the hell, dude? I hope she has zero dollars on her commissary. I hope she gets a UTI so fucking often. I still hope someone shits in her shoe. Yeah. I do. I hope that someone saws off, like files down her shoe soles by like half a millimeter so that she gets all of these gait problems and it fucks up her hip. That is awfully specific. I mean, <clears throat> that someone just like messes with her a little. <laughs> <laughs> oh I, my goodness. It's it's a lot. This was a tough one. I'm going to include some mental health resources in the description yes. box so that you guys can look at those should you need them. Um also, Google is your friend. You can look those up. We have an, an entire Instagram highlight that goes over resources not only for you and your friend's mental health. So that would talk about like 988, which is 911, but for your mental health crises. Also, it has a lot of resources and networks for survivors and victims of various traumas and abuse. But we also have resources that are near and dear to families' hearts. If there's any cause that families of victims are pursuing, we try to make sure we have those available as well. Because, you know, what's the good in what we do if we can't do some good with what we do? Exactly. But if you wanted to see that or the people and the places and the things and the absolute fucking depraved ass hats that we talked about all day today, you could do that on our Instagram. So that is... A-B-O-U-T, period, T-I-M-E, period, F-O-R, period, T-R-U-E, period, C-R-I-M-E, period, P-O-D, because podcast was too long. But if after you did that and like rated and followed and like reviewed if you could and like maybe took part in like a poll or a Q&A on Spotify, you could send us an email, let us know everything you've ever wanted to let us know and more and also send pickies of your pod pets. But yeah. Allie, where could they do that? If you wanted to do that, you would do that to about time, the number four TC at gmail.com. That's A-B-O-U-T-T-I-M-E, numeric four TC at gmail.com. Send us anything you want. Uh, Please keep it appropriate. Yeah. PG-13 at the most, guys. Come on. Come on. Also, please don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, tell a friend. All that good, good. Interact with our poll if you're a Spotify listener. Leave us a... 
five-star review if you're an Apple listener. And I don't really know what we have on any other platforms because I don't think they really let us mess with them. But, but still. keep us in mind. Yeah, but do all yeah. the things. Um, thank you so much for tuning in. We love you. Yeah. And if I look at my clock, that was About, about time, time for True Crime. Bye. Bye. Take care of yourselves.